This is Four Network. Credo is the daft of the Football Daft podcast. Is that a good story? Is that a good story? I've got an encyclopedia brain. He's got a day man, nothing. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Why are you a fucking hula? <laughs> this is Football Daft. You're a Rangers man. Aye. I'm a Hearts man. <laughs> With Ewan Cameron. I work for Showtime in ESPN. <laughs> and. Be the top end of Stevenson. Oh my days. Welcome, everybody, to the Football Daft Podcast. And isn't it great that it's Christmas time and everyone can be happy and no one's got any complaints about anything? Grado. <sighs> Disagree. Bad week. Are you over it yet? No, of course I'm not. <sighs> I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah, uh, you know what? How did you find out? Well, so the pantomime started at two o'clock, um, and I managed to catch uh, when the game started, like the first five ten minutes. I thought, oh, here we go. By the way, we're playing not too bad. Um, I, I managed to see Ryan Jack's shot saved by Foster. Oh. Thought, right, come on, and then. Uh, I think it was middle of the second half. We shall suit Bob. Just gave me the eyes as if to say, mm. and I went, no. And then the door. Were you on man. stage at the time? I was on the stage. And uh, Chelsea Bob came on from the wings. <laughs> and we, uh, SpongeBob, gave you the old. Uh, SpongeBob, aye. Aye. Mm. And so, I that's what happened, and I've not watched any of it back. I've heard we played really well. Um, but at the end of the day, Celtic left at the cup. And I think that's actually mere. It hurts mere that. It hurts mere. That we apparently dominated the game, then yeah. getting that hurts me than getting pumped for a 5 0. Do you know the amazing stat for me was Rangers had nine shots on target. Mm-hmm. And do you know how many Celtic had? How many? One. Aye. Shite. It's just in this in hindsight as well with Tav, no taking the penalty and stuff like that. Fit, but I mean, I, I, can't, I can't even ask Tom about Fitbit today. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I honestly can't. What do you want to talk about then? Well, I, yesterday um, <laughs> went Shit. to the, the Glasgow markets and uh, I'm walking through Central Station. And I went, <gasps> I was with my girlfriend. It's Gary McAllister. It's Gary McAllister. I was like, hey, hold on, he's on the phone. He's on the phone. I want a picture with him. Gary McAllister. Oh. Uh, yep. Uh, what a Leeds player. Liverpool legend. Um, and so. She's gone, don't, don't ask for a picture. Come on, you came in. And I'm, I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm having a picture of him. So he hangs up the phone. And as I go to get a picture of him, I know he's standing with Chuck Young, Chuck Young, who I know. We've done Scott, Scott way. So I bypass Gary. I'm going, Chuck, how you doing? He's like, how you doing, Grado, my man? I'm like, have you, Gary, do you know Grado? And he's like, no. And I'm like, no, we have met. <laughs> he's like, have we? I'm like, I we met at the PFA Awards. You were eating your dinner and I kind of buzzed in there for a selfie. It was a bit rude, but it was half cut at the time. And he went, oh, all right, all right. <laughs> and uh, Chick goes, ah, he's on Scott Squad in uh, the pavilion. He does the panel. And he went, oh, I know you know, I know you know, I know you know. So it was such a random Monday lunchtime picture. Me, Chick Dung, and Gary Mack. <laughs> Delighted. Oh. That kind of thing, the. Two midfield maestros and Scotland's <laughs> top wrestler. <laughs> Correct. So that kind of took the, what would you say? The edge. I took the edge off a wee bit. It was a wee boost for you. I went to town at the, in, the, in the, the markets, you know, I had freshly made pancakes with Hunters and Nutella. Uh, mm-hmm. had a couple of beers. I had buck, Buckfast mulled wine. It was a good wee day, man. What? Aye, Buckfast mulled wine. They've got a wee stall oh. selling that. So it's giving me the box. Uh, about that. Well, I'm not. A, I'm not a bucky drinker at all. It smelled putrid, but mm-hmm. actually went doing quite nice. Mm-hmm. So I had that. Did you start a fight after that, or urinate in the street? <laughs> I never urinated in the street. Keeping in the Christmas theme, yeah. 
A star rises in the east. End. Oh my days, the, the minutes go so slow. And then when they blew the last, was, oh my, I was buzzing, I was buzzing. Uh, <laughs> so it was the hardest game of your life and perhaps one of the, the most valuable emotional oh, lessons. Oh my days, best game ever, best game ever. Oh my days. Jeremy Frimpong there, who was magnificent, but got sent off. That was his interview on See, BC I couldn't even tell you who got sent off. There you go, was it him that got sent off? Yeah, yeah. They don't usually go for the people, you don't usually interview the, the, the guy that sent, that gets sent off. Anyway, Frimpong, happy 19th birthday to Frimpong. It was absolutely superb. Really daft tackle for the penalty, I have to say. Although I heard him say that he didn't think he should be sent off. Really? Hello? It was pulling back the trigger. Not, although having said that, Celtic are here are appealing the red card right. on the grounds that it wasn't a goal-scoring opportunity as the ball was at the feet of Morelos. Anyway, anyway, Jonathan Gould is our star guest today, Celtic's goalkeeper the year they stopped 10 in a row. And of course, they won the League Cup back in 97, 98. I can't believe it's 22 years already. When Gould is a great lad, not spoken to him in years, so he'll be coming on later. And on Who Are You, I'm really looking forward to this because it's one of my favourite people, one of my favourite turns. You say this about everybody that comes on. Yeah. You do? I like a lot. You've of never went, and this who are you guess is a bit of a dick, but <laughs> well, you don't. But I wouldn't get them on if they're ah, a bit well, of a dick. Ah, well, that's true. There is that's a true. vetting process goes on here. If I book them, they've got to be decent blokes. Mm, right, okay. Anyway, this fella here. I'm looking forward to it. Who may be male. Stop may be telling female. me if they're male or female. I, need, I want to try and guess they it. They may so be male. That. They may right, be okay. female. Right, no bother. Um, are worth waiting for. Right, okay. Looking forward to it. Very, very funny. And I just got a text message and uh, my phone wasn't on me. So did that. And it's somebody asking if I want to do something on Thursday night. And come on. Here's my rant. Grado's rant. Okay, then I've just had another text. And I'm not going to say who it is. But I've just been asked to do something again on Thursday night. And it's like, look. That's nice. I'm going to be nowhere else. Absolutely nowhere else. Apart from Christmas Day and New Year's Day, which I was spending with my family. I'm at panel. I'm at panel. I'm eating, sleeping, breathing, shitting, whatever, the law, the full <laughs> bong panel until the 12th of January. Is it 12th? I, I'm still going to be singing about Christmas the full lot when people are back at their works. I'm going to be the panel, so I can't date anything. I can't meet up with you. I can't go for dinner. I can't go to pictures with you. I can't come and walk your dog. I can't come and date F all. I'm at panel, all right? So I can't date nothing. Aye, but, but can you buy me lunch? No! Can you come and wash my car? No. Can you come and take the dog for a walk? No. no. Speaking of dogs, my oh dad's my. dog, Jeannie Hudwains. Eight puppies came out of her foot. Not farter, but <laughs> it was such a sight to see. I've never seen it before, man. I, I was biffing me out. The dog's just walking. Because um, somebody that I know is interested in buying a golden retriever off my dad. My dad's got it all set up. It's all brown. He, he's got the wee den set up. It's all heated and there's cushions oh. and it's all done the right way. My dad's getting right into it. So yes. Oh. And uh, somebody was inquiring about it going, what's the deal with the, with the, with the puppies? When they're going to be born? And I text my dad saying, what's the update? And when he, he phoned me and I thought he was any, he's a taxi driver. I thought he had uh, steaming women in the back of his taxi. I was, <laughs> and he's like, get in the you see, it's happening, it's happening, get running now, get running now, hurry up, hurry up, there's four in the flare. <laughs> so I uh, jumps in the motor and I drives round and oh my God, I couldn't believe it, just seeing, they're just plopping out. 
and and the wee like, bubbles and Aww. Pierre Jeannie was licking them and I'm going, is it deed? Is it deed? Is it deed? Is it deed? And then she licks them and then they come alive and it's beautiful and it was it was, it was amazing to see. So Golden Retrievers on sale if you want to come. <laughs> That's brilliant. I just uh, in time for Christmas. Christmas. You're buzzing about that, old son. Oh, it was beautiful to see, man. It was she she was she 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 was brilliant and I shout out to my mate Pete Dong, Pete Dong who Pete Dong Pete Dong man Peter Muller. Uh, Why is Stevenson it Pete Dong? Because he has the largest penis in Europe. I had a feeling that's what it was. Yep. But I still And he it. done well with a mid midwifery. He was there. Um, <laughs> had his gloves on and he was brilliant at keeping them all nice and warm and putting the wee puppies into Jeannie's teats. You know, it was it was it was uh, it was Aww. an eventful night. But it was it's scary seeing them coming out and they don't move until Jeannie licks them. But aye, it was amazing. So in summing up. Aye, summing up, don't ask me to do fucking anything during panel season. And then after panel, I'm getting into Scott squad, so even there, you probably want to get a hoodie, man. I speak to me in February. Oh, and then I've got a wrestling tour, actually. Just leave me alone. Right, listen, as it's Christmas time, we want to pay our respects to the nativity story by looking at the picture of the little baby Jesus. In the stable. Hey, Mary. Joseph. Three musketeers. Three wise men. Three musketeers. Three wise men. Whatever. Right, keep going. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> the three musketeers and the star rising in the east. Oh, my days. And, of course, the donkeys. And we thought it would be nice for everyone to talk to us about the donkey. Of their team. Of their team. It might be now. It might be in the past. For example... The biggest donkey I can think of in an old firm context, Raphael Scheidt. <laughs> Cost millions of pounds, he was called Scheidt, and he played like that. It was also, it was just so funny watching it in STV News going, Celtic have signed, uh, what was he, for Brazil? Yeah, it was a Brazil. Raphael Scheidt. And I was like, he is actually called Scheidt? <laughs> He's called Scheidt? Who's playing up front, Scheidt? Was he a striker? He was a, he was a uh, centre-back. So that's the kind of idea we're looking for. We're looking for your favourite donkey. Mm -hmm. I want you to right. give us one Oh, I've now. got mine ready right. to go. So let us know on social media then. There's the Football Daft Facebook page. On Twitter, it's at Football Daft Pod. On Instagram, it's Football Daft Podcast. And on YouTube, it's Football Daft. So have you had time to think about one then? Oh, he's been For the teddy bears. Right. My donkey for Rangers has got to be none other than Umar Sadiq. Who? Oh, Umar Sadiq. Absolutely. I, I mean, I knew right, for, I think he play, played in a pre-season friendly. When was that? And he was at Bambi on ice last year. Sure, sure um, we played Aberdeen in the, se the semi-finals of the League Cup. And we, he was the only player we could play. In a, last season? Aye. And sure, he, he dived. He dived in the penalty box. An absolute... Rotten player, <laughs> and you know what? Was, was it really worse? Was it worse than Philip Sable? Ah, it was. He definitely was. Really? And you know what really got to me was he was always parading himself on Instagram with his big Mercedes, his Gucci tracksuits, oh, no. his tidy bird. He was howling, and then he had the cheek to, to bite at Rangers fans once he left. Don't get me wrong, he did get it tight on the internet. But honestly, how did he? Who signed him? 
I'm, I'm putting it on. I'm putting it on right now. I'm a better football than Omar Sadiq. <laughs> I'm a better football than Omar Sadiq. You're the guy that missed a chance at Ibrox Park from about three inches out. And what? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So listen, next week is our last Football Daft podcast before Christmas. So we want to know your festive donkeys, your Christmas donkeys from your club or maybe from your rivals club. Let us know anyway on social media. Get in touch with us. And for this segment of the show, we have removed Grado from the room and brought in the Who Are You mystery guest. And later, Grado will come in and try and guess who it is wearing a very, very, very natty blindfold. And I can reveal to you, dear listener, that the mystery guest this week on Who Are You is none other than comedian and actor, I shouldn't forget, Mr. Raymond Mearns. Raymond, good to see you. Good to be here, David. Lovely to be here. I have to say, one of the scariest things I've ever had was one, when you picked on me at one of your hilarious stand-up acts in Edinburgh, and secondly, when I was hosting the Motherwell Plate of the Year dinner, I noticed you were at the back of the room, and I turned out very, very nerve-wracking. Well, first of all, I can assure you, when I give you a severe ass ripping <laughs> at my gig, there is no malicious intent, and there's certainly no contact. So, <laughs> and uh, nothing physical. I'm, I'm not so sure if against somebody a good shuriken's a crime. <laughs> <laughs> shuriken's a great word, isn't it? It's a great word. It's an old Glasgow word, isn't it? Yeah. You, you know what he needs? He needs a right good shuriken. I think the Oxford English Dictionary uh, would probably say pelters instead for pelters, younger viewers. Right, I, I don't know. Shuriken's good. <laughs> So, I, I don't know, I I don't recall you being at the front row of my gig or being at my gig. I wasn't at the front row, I was quite a bit back actually, in the cheap seats, but you still spotted me. Wow, right. If, right, okay, I mean, I don't remember that, but mm. I, I, what was the second one? Me being in the room, I was a civilian that night, David. You were. So, I am curious enough, because I spend so much of my professional life Stunning up, making an absolute rank full of myself. <laughs> I really, honestly, love to just, you know, for me to be anonymous and just mm-hmm. be, you know, under the radar, incognito. Which for me is easy, actually. I mean, my claim to fame was my uncle James phoned me up one day from Southampton. <laughs> it went, Raymond, you're famous. You're famous. And says, you're 14 across in the Daily Record crossword. <laughs> That's what he said to me. He says, it says, Raymond. Six comedian fourteen across. And he went no, and it, it says it's you. I mean, that's, that's, I mean that. That is magnificent. Whenever I switch on TV just now, if there's a comedy show on from Scotland, if Grado is not in it, you're in it. I, I, Maybe not for a few years. I do the breaking the news show. Yeah, which I love that. A lot of people watch, which yeah. is phenomenal. And I went on tour this year, and because I get people kind of coming who's seen the Lemmy show which was really big and then went on to Netflix. You get a lot of the younger sort of generation coming. Then you get a, a, an older age profile watch the breaking the news. So it's amazing to just have some purchase over the different kind of demographics. Oh, demographics. I like it when you get technical. Aye, uh, you see, uh, despite the fact I talk like a bricklayer, I'm smarter than the average bear. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Were you good at football at school? Do you know what? I was terrible at football, but what I was amazing at was I could place a ball with incredible speed and accuracy. So I was really good as a as a centre forward, but I was a 
penalty box poacher. Now, thankfully, he never really played offside <laughs> in school, or I would have been knowing I scored <laughs> half the goals I scored. But I also, there was a guy in my school called Paul Harvey who became a professional football player. Uh-huh. I remember beating the teachers once on a trip to the Magnum Centre. I remember putting about 10 past the modern studies teacher, and it really annoyed him. <laughs> and, and Paul Harvey laid every one of them on. Well, that's brilliant. Now, Paul Harvey had a good career, did he not? He, I, I know he played professionally. I, I, I know for a fact, did he go? He, I, I know he played for... Here we are. Like, Born 1968. Uh-huh. Started his professional career in England in 1986-87 with Manchester United. I know. I mean, that's half you. decent. Awesome. Half decent. Aye. Then he spells elsewhere uh, Airdrie, Wraith Rovers... Dumbarton, Livingston, Queen of the South, Motherwell, Stennismuir, Airdrie United and Queen's Park. And he's now uh, an under-21 side coach, South Kamlachie. Phenomenal footballer. Good start. Really tremendous attacking midfield player. Mm-hmm. So was there anyone else in your school who would have gone on to make the grade? Because that part of Glasgow mass-produced footballers. Well, there was, there was Pat Nevin was in fifth year when I started oh, okay. at St Andrews. So I remember Pat, and because he'd he'd signed at the time an S form for Celtic, and that was big. He was he was big man on campus, wasn't he? He was the man. <laughs> so I remember Pat. Oh, it was heavy metal badges on his jacket and all that. Now Raymond, I saw you at the Motherwell Player of the Year dinner from uh-huh. the stage. I could see you out there. So, how big a Motherwell fan are you then? Well, my my good lady, the lovely Annie, is a mad. Motherwell fan, and and I mean mad to the point of when she's in the ground, irrational. Oh, really? Right? Oh, I mean a real football fan. An irrational female. Oh, irrational. I mean, you kind of get a pie, the referee's getting hot with it, right? <laughs> so she's 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 mad for Motherwell. So we, we started kind of watching. And I, I remember when, when Motherwell, two seasons ago, you know, they got to the League Cup final and the Scottish Cup final in the same season, mm-hmm. which was an awesome <clears> thing. We started, uh, Anne and I, we, we went along and started watching some of the games. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of go into it. So Motherwell is your team then. What, um, uh, so you're a relatively recent convert. convert to the well. You've oh, jumped aye. the dike. Oh, so, I have, I have. So coming from Easter House when you were a laddie, who were you supporting then? Oh, in the days I was, uh, I was I'd follow Celtic and we watched Celtic. I mean, I started watching Celtic. Back in '74, and we'd we'd get the bus for Easterhouse to Helen Vale Street. Used to go to Helen Vale Street, then oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Grand. And my uh, my parents always insisted that we went to at, at the time it was you know to the the right hand side of the main stand, which was where the you know the Polis Gate and the First Aid Gate was, which is like you know the Rangers in. Yeah, insisted we sit there and we wouldn't allow us to get into the jungle or anything like that because uh-huh. we were only we were only seven year old. Wow, so you went your own. Who's been the most famous person you've met in a football context? Oh, it would have to be Billy McNeil. Um, mm. I, I did this thing years ago for... I, I knew these two entrepreneurs who ran this online poker uh, thing in conjunction with Poker Stars in America or something. And they gave me the job to kind of write the script and make the wee film which was going to be FC Poker Room, which was for the Scottish Football League. Mm-hmm. And we did one for Celtic, which was very specifically just Celtic's Poker Portal. And 
the we met with the Celtic directors and and Billy was had agreed to come and make the wee film, which along with myself and I'd wrote the script and we'd, we'd got it filmed and all that. And the, so we we went one day to Celtic Park before we we shot the, the wee film, and I got to hang about with Billy McNeil for like an afternoon at Celtic Park, and it was it was it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's. <clears throat> he is. You're smiling when you recall this. I know. It, it's one of the. Uh, you know, I don't deserve to have had that experience when so so many people have invested much much more in Celtic than than I have ever done. But it was just wonderful. I remember we were out in the car park. I've no idea why we were out in the car park, but we were just walking about and Billy's talking away and and Big Bobo was was. Mm-hmm. Getting mm-hmm. into the boot, his motor, and and it's just, Billy McNeil was probably the most famous centre half Celtics ever had, maybe. Without and he doubt. says, and he went, God, he went, look at Big Bobo, he's magnificent, isn't he? And the two are just standing there watching Bobo Baldigan through the boot of his motor, <laughs> and it was just, it was beautiful, it was, and it was a really special time, and and, and then the day we shot, and. We we, we we went for lunch in Stravagan. I remember we shot the thing and went for lunch and sitting in. And he's so full of stories and places he's been and things he's done. One of my favourite stories is his best pals with Pat Crerand. And he, he, he said about Pat Crerand, he said, Pat Crerand's never changed since he was a wee boy. He's, he's just always the same. And he says, and he says, you remember me and Pat went on holiday to Spain back in the, in the 70s with our wives? And Pat Crennan's missus has started wearing his European Cup winners medal f- with Manchester United. You know the wee square one they used to get mm-hmm. on a chain around her neck. So, Billy, uh, says my, my, my wife. I, I don't. I don't remember Billy's wife's name. So sorry, Liz. She's, Liz. So she, Liz started doing the same. And so we're, we're on this boat, and, and there's the two wives. I've got the European Cup medals. And this Dutch lady came up and went, "Oh, this this is lovely. I do this. I do this." And I went, "Ha hen, do you know what that is?" That's a European <laughs> Cup medal, hen. Right, your man, your man's got to win that. She says, "I know, I have three. It was oh. Mrs. Ari Han oh. of in Holland." Oh, really? And what Billy says, he says it was brilliant. Two wee Glasgow women just bumming their load. <laughs> <laughs> that is superb. <laughs> That's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful story. And when he told it, the, the humility that the 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 the, the, the late Billy McNeil showed was for me. A real, a real lesson to, it was special, just having mm. that time with him. It was yeah. beautiful. So listen, Raymond, Big Grado is uh-huh. going to come in here in a minute and try to identify you. We've got two problems, I think. One is that you're always on television. Um, well, and I, I think I could be on more. Yes, I know. I know <laughs> the feeling. <laughs> and he might recognise your voice. I, I think that's the one thing that... People kind of know the voice. Uh, People don't always maybe know the coupon so much. Right. But I think this voice is... I have Can you disguise it? Have you got like a, a Gestapo officer voice or no, something you pull out of your acting I, Well, you box? know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly good at accents, but right. I need to practice them a wee bit. Right. I, I mean... Well, can you do, what, what you, the accent of the week for me has been Dutchman Jeremy Fringpong. 
who's got a Coronation Street accent. Oh, my God. Coronation days. Street accent. Well, he, he moved to Manchester when he was quite young. Is that right? Oh, he had him, he's, he's like a mank lad. Aye. So he's run about Manchester, and mad for it. Exactly. Harking back to the old days of the Hacienda. And he, Exactly. What will happen is that I'll start speaking as either Terry Christian yeah. or Bernard Manning's been brought back to life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Both of them are unattractive characters. Um, but listen, let's get Grado in and we'll continue with Who Are You in a moment. So welcome back to the Football Daft Podcast. Who Are You's guest is here and Grado is here now with the blindfold. Grado, welcome into the room. Good to see you, David. How can you well, see Well, I can't me? see you, but uh, <laughs> it's good to be in your presence. Oh, thanks very much. Thanks very much. <laughs> anyway, well, we'll go for it. Yeah, we'll have a wee feel about. Um, uh, yeah, I forgot to I forgot to brief our guests that they may be feeling involved in this. Uh, it's no um, David Jason style. He's not going to touch me, is he? <laughs> I might have to, mate. You know, I, I don't know if I'm happy with that. Process. I don't know. Oh my getting, days, getting fondled it, on air. It's part of the process, unfortunately. Anyway, I'll, we'll go. We'll go You're for it. Six inches away from. All oh, right, okay. I, I, you better get closer. <laughs> <laughs> right, wait to be here. Wait to be see, sir. Oh, right. Right. So okay. yeah, I'm fully clothed. Yes, I'm fully clothed. Right. I'm not sitting here naked. Right, you've got, you've got and they all together. Similar. Have you got a similar chest? Well, I could be like a wrestler, like yourself, Grado. You could be. You don't I could know. fill the MEN arena. <laughs> I've wrestled there once. Uh, uh, right here, Ames. Yes. You are male. <laughs> Getting out, getting out. Uh, let's feel above the head. Oh, you're sweating, aren't you? Oh, I'm. Sh- oh, yes. <laughs> it wasn't a couple of minutes ago. You can forgive him for that. Right. Are you old? I am of a certain advanced years, but I'm not dead yet. Right, okay. Well, that's a start. Uh, okay, clothing. Although I, I am. You will oh Christ, you've got your I'm, chest out, you've got your I, chest out. Yeah, some people think I'm older than I am. Right, well, you're wearing your chest, your chest is protruding here. How old uh, are you? How old are you? 52. Uh, do you write books? No. Do you do... What do you do, mate? What? What's wrong with that? There is, there is a football connection to this fella. Right. Is there? Right. What team do you support, big fella? Ah. Oh, well, that's... That's, um... Uh, I now not to be scared. Don't be scared. Well, I these days I find myself at Fir Park, watching Motherwell. This is about Motherwell, Christ. The only Motherwell fans I know are Tam Cowan and that's it. <laughs> uh, give me other. What kind of things can I ask him, mate? I'm struggling here. Well, I mean, he Android or iPhone? Android. Right. Oh, you must have got up and out then. Uh, uh, I, th- I think I think if you examine his line of work, right? Okay, uh, stand-up comedy. Yes. Ah! I know who you are. You're fucking brilliant. I love you. And do you know what? No, it's not him. No, I'm telling you. I think I know who it is. And do you know what? I think you one day. I think I was at the stand. One day, and you. I was at the front row, and you picked up my tattoo because it was just no long after to get my Grado tattoo. I know who you are, uh, Ray- Raymond, Raymond, Ray- Raymond Melns. <laughs> is it Raymond Melns? Amazing. Yeah! 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 Oh, I'm fucking delighted with that. I'm delighted with that. 
like a dancer. That is superb. You, you, I bet you don't even remember that, do you? I don't. Mate, I don't. I have ago, no memory. No, see how um, I went to a, a, a show at the stand, right? And it was no long. It was two thousand and nine. No long after I was in Magaluf. And he was a big man with your tattoo, and I told the story about how I was in Spain, I got blue tart, and my pals made, well, my pals never made me get a tattoo, but I got a tattoo of a name that I thought people called me. Turns out nobody called me Gredo. <laughs> so it was a matter of the next day I was trying to scratch it off, and then I thought, right, well, I need to phone everybody. Can we see it? Phone. What? Can we see oh, it? Is, yeah, well, it's on I, his I knob. I don't remember that. Um, well, I suppose you gig every night for fun's uh, I've done, done thousands of gigs. Mate, you're... One of the best. Oh, great, it's gone topless. Okay. Do you know what? Because I've been here, I go with my kids to your wrestling Aye. things. Um, my, the funniest thing, the funniest line, and one of the funniest things I've ever seen you do, hang with Raymond. What? Eckies. Oh, that was that in the Lemmy show. show. That was I mean, brilliant. That was, <laughs> That was, that was brilliant. That was ten years ago. That was Grado. one of the best scenes ever. <laughs> mate, the funeral scene. That's right. You try. Yeah, they, that's they, right. They go for the. Oh, I'm, mate. Honestly, you I'm get you get a you get a young team. or a young team came up to me and went right. a selfie and they go, "Gonna do that eki." I go do it. Go do it now. Go. And they go eki. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. I, 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 I love it. Not, I love and it. it's not something I'm accustomed to. <laughs> I have no idea what. What the, the what effects of Eckies? I, I wouldn't know. How would I know? <laughs> right. Oh. Iron brewing Mentos. That's about as far as. So I'm delighted with this. Honestly, I'm oh, honestly I'm up, and I'm glad I got it as well. I'm delighted with this. I'm so delighted. I'm a massive fan. Uh, I know, I'm so not man. blowing up your arse here. I'm yeah. a massive fan big of time, Big time. I've seen you at the Edinburgh Festival because I'm big time. Mm-hmm. Living in Edinburgh. Yes, you are. Oh, aye. I was in Edinburgh yesterday. It's nice to come through to Glasgow and have somebody to talk to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Raymond, listen, thank you very much for coming in. Oh, my pleasure. It's just absolutely lovely to be here. And Do you mean that? Yeah, genuinely, (laughs) I think it's it's beautiful to just be... It's good to see you, man. Because, as you know, sometimes yeah, it's nice just to be asked. It's got to go to the house, is stuff. Aye, aye, it's pottering about, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, normally just sitting in my electric lazy boy high chair, you know, just <laughs> watching the telly, just waiting for the windy cleaners to turn up. And <laughs> 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 oh. with that thought. Yes. Raymond, it's been fantastic having you in. Seriously, I've really, really enjoyed it. Look forward to seeing you live at the Edinburgh Festival again. I know oh, you I do it every year. Every oh, that's year. Not yes, year. I'll, be, yeah. I'll be at the Edinburgh Festival. And I'll be doing my solo show at the Stand Comedy Club as well at the Glasgow International Comedy Festival. When's that? On the March. 29th of March next year. Really? It might be. I don't know. Raymond Mearns, thank you. Thanks Th- very much, thank Raymond, you. my man. Absolute man. pleasure. Thanks for Cheers, having me. Cheers, bro. Thanks for the much. Who Knows Wins is a home of social betting. And they're changing the culture of gambling. Bookies have been taken out the equation and you can bet on sports against your mates. So the more you know, the more you win. The more folk involved, the more money that's in the pot, the more money that's up for grabs for you and your pals to win. Terrific. Congratulations to all our winners at the weekend. We had six winners all picking up 24 quid each. Wow, that's a lot of winners. That's a lot of people getting a lot of predictions uh-huh. right. So download the app on the Apple Store or Google Play. For more information, visit whoknowswins.com. You then just set up a league, set an entry free, choose your matches, invite all your pals, and you predict the outcome of the games. The person with the most correct productions wins a pot of money. And this week, we have picked six games for your chance to take earn money. We have £5 entry fee. So you put in five bar 
and you go for the predictions. So the games are for the Premiership, Scottish Premiership, it's Ross County versus Kilmarnock. Away win. Okay, I'm going to go for away win myself. Hearts versus St. Johnson. A riot and the points withheld. What does that mean? A draw? A draw. I think so. Surely there's going to be a wee bit of a, a bounce. Daniel Stendhal bounce? He's mm. going to... All right, I'm going to say Hearts win. Right, I'm going to say Hearts as well. We're going to go for the, the championship. Come on, it's Smokies! Abro versus Dundee United. My best mate, Ricky Little, who is not the captain, as I keep uh, embarrassing him on this show by calling him the captain. He's not the captain, but hoping, fingers crossed, he takes points off the tangerines. Mm-hmm. Partick Fissel. I'm going to go for a draw in that one. Oh, you're going to go for a draw? draw? <laughs> Red Lachty's a point. Come on, Alechtis. Uh, Furhill, Partick Fissel versus Cali Fissel. The Jags Derby. That'll be a close one. Oh, the Jags, that's a good one. I'm going to go for Thistle. I'm going to go for Fissel. <laughs> From League One, we've got Airdrie versus Peterhead. I've absolutely an idea what that score will be. Eat the breed for Peterhead. Go for it. For League Two, we've got Annan Athletic versus Edinburgh City. Uh, uh, who are you thinking? I'm going to go for the Edinburghers. Anyway. So what you should do is get yourself together, you and your pals, maybe it's a WhatsApp group, whenever you do your group chatting, it's a Tinder? good idea. Is that I don't like? think you can do that in Tinder. I don't know. Um, but fine. what today is, get your mates, get the, the money put in the pot, and uh, mm. go for it, man, because at the end of the day, the bookies are getting hee-haw, hee-haw, damn all of your money. So get tore in. Um, I know a lot of my pals have been doing it. And they seem to really, really enjoy it because at the end of the day, the money has gone to you or you or your mates. So, you know, it's coming up to that time of the year where you're wanting to put in a bit of a kitty, a kitty for the for the, the Christmas next to it. So it's a, it's a, it's a no-brainer, Davy boy. And it's time now on the Football Daft Podcast for our star guest. And for this part of the programme, I have to admit, Grado is not here because why else... He's doing panto at the moment. Anyway, I'm delighted to say, given the performance of Fraser Foster at the weekend, we had to get a goalkeeper on. And I'm delighted to say, one of my favourite guys in football that I've not spoken to in about 15 years, I would have thought, Jonathan Gould, the man who helped break Rangers' run of nine consecutive titles and also brought Celtic their first League Cup in 15 years. That was back in 97-98. Joins us now. Gouldy, good to see you. How are you keeping these days, fella? I'm very well, thanks, David. Tell me, before we look back on Celtic, remind, let everybody know what you're up to now. Well, I'm currently a goalkeeping coach at Preston North End. Um, I've been here about three months. I endured three months of garden leave, having, um, <laughs> left, Middles, having left Middlesbrough. Um, I, I, th- I actually thought I was going to enjoy that, but after a couple of months, um, you actually want to go back to work, David. <laughs> So it's nice to be back in, although um, the, uh, of late our Saturdays have been ruined by, by a few defeats. So ho- hopefully tonight um, that will change. Any goalkeeping blunders in there? No comment. <laughs> Very wise. Hold on, hold on, no, actually, of course not. Hey, that's an even better answer. Tell me about this fellow, Alex Neal. Great yeah. reputation in Scotland, but he seemed to have an even better one in England. Yeah, I mean, when, I think um, it'd be fair to say when he came down from Scotland, um, he was uh, an unknown uh, quantity and uh, very very quickly changed the fortunes of Norwich City around and I actually sat and watched the uh, the final of that playoff and you, know, you could see um, see then how he got his teams to play um, you know there's a, there's a there's a, f- a fair amount of self-expression allowed which is fantastic in the modern game and and he's a very passionate uh, young manager at the age of 38 he's already achieved you know um, um, a vast amount in the game 
Are you going to get promotion this year? It, it's going to be tough. We've had the last couple of uh, weeks, we've lost four, uh, four key players, really, two centre-backs and two midfield players. Um, we started the season fabulously well. Um, but I don't think it'll take much um, to get ourselves back up, back on song. You know, we have lost the last four, um, but we're still in seventh. And I think, you know, we play Fulham tonight and Luton on Saturday and both at home. So, um, our touch wood, our home record's been pretty good of late. Now, tell me about Fraser Foster and his yeah. performance in the, the Betfred Cup final at the weekend there. I mean, is that as good a performance as you've seen from a goalkeeper? Yeah, probably uh, for a long time, especially in um, in an old firm game that, that actually mattered. Uh, you know, um, th- these games can be pretty tight at the best of times. And, and I mean, I looked at the stats, David, you probably have as well, and, and you, you think that it would have been, you know... Um, Possession-wise, Rangers had most of the play, but it was actually 50-50. It just came down to um, the effectiveness, um, but without the product. And the reason there was no product was it wasn't a post, it wasn't it wasn't um, clearances on the line. It was a goalkeeper that was in tremendous form. Celtic had one shot on target. That's all it takes if you score. <laughs> it's a proper <laughs> smash and grab, isn't it? It reminded me a little bit of Walter Smith's Rangers and the way that they uh, took out Celtic. Just before you arrived, I mean, you, you lost uh, once or twice to Celtic uh, to Walter in that, uh, his last season and his yeah. first time. But did you see a little bit of similarity the way that Lenny played it? Yeah, probably. I think, you know, you've, there's always different ways of setting up. And I think um, it's pretty clear that Edward wasn't fully fit. And, and I think that takes, always is going to take um, uh, an approach out of the game. You know, he holds the ball, retains it very, very well. So Neil had obviously looked at it. Um, and thought there were certain players that could could do a job. Um, and in the end, it was the goalkeeper that was required to do the main one. Was there any particular... What is it about Fraser Foster's game that allows him to make that kind of performance in that kind of game? Um, <coughs> there's no there's no crap involved, David, OK? No. <laughs> um, and, and if you go back over the last uh, three or four years with Fraser, um, and I came up against him... Um, when he was at uh, Southampton and I was coaching at West Brom in the Premier League. And, and in the last 15 minutes, he made three incredible saves. Now, the thing about Fraser is he was maligned after he came back to, to play for uh, Southampton after his injury. Yet he, he, he then created a 708-minute record of <laughs> keeping the ball out the back of the net. In the Premier League, we're talking now. Yeah. He'd already, he's already got um, a record uh, with with Celtic of 1,256 minutes, he knows how the ball how to keep out the back of the net. And, and I think as goalkeeping coaches and managers, we must never forget that is what our job is. And, and it's, it, it, yeah, you know, you've got to be able to, in the modern day, you've got to be able to pass it. You've got to get it out of your fullback. You've sometimes got to go long. Um, have you got to hit it into second pockets perfect, perfectly? No, I don't think you have. But what you have got to do is prevent the opposition scoring. And I think the range of saves he made the other day showed what a great goalkeeper he is. It does make me think, why on earth is he not on that Southampton team? I'm going to come back to, uh, I think he was, it was under uh, Puel, where he, he mm. probably lost his way a little bit. And, um, and I said, as I said, the, 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 there, there has been um, a change in, in how a goalkeeper's makeup should look. But... Um, I, I'm not. I'm not a massive advocate of it. I still think there's a there's a huge job for a goalkeeper to do, um, and that's prevent goals. And I think the other thing is where you look at Jordan Pickford, right? Yeah. Who is probably one of his not adversaries, but one of his competitors for the England job, for the England goalkeeping job. 
And, and Jordan's known for his distribution. But if you actually look at Jordan, the best part of Jordan's distribution is the fact that he can belt the ball 70 yards and he's accurate with it. But he'll be remembered from the World Cup for a couple of great saves, mm. not how well he actually delivered the ball with his feet. Let's go back to 1997, Goldie. When you yeah. were languishing in Bradford City Reserves, did you think, I might end this season with a league title and a League Cup winner's medal here? <laughs> Do you know what? Never, never <laughs> in my wildest dreams. And, and probably until you just said that there, you, you under, you pro- it, it dawns on you how, how quickly uh, the game can turn in yeah. the space of 12 months. Yeah, you're, you're sitting pretty at the top of, um, of, a, of a Scottish Premiership. Talk us, uh, take us back to that period and talk us through when you first heard of the possibility that Celtic were, were in for you. It was a, it was a strange morning, actually, because I'd, I'd had a phone call from, um, from my agent at the time. Um, and he'd said, oh, Celtic are after a goalkeeper. Would you be interested? And, and I'd obviously already uh, been involved with the Scotland squad back in, um, I think it was 93, uh, when I was playing at Coventry City. But in the three years, my career sort of dwindled slightly. <laughs> And, um, and I said, I said at the time, so yeah, of course I would. I then picked up the phone, Dave, and I rang my dad. And I said, Dad, do you know anybody at Celtic? And he went, yeah, I know Jock Brown. I said, well, look, I've had the phone call from my agent. Can you just follow that call up for me? And that's how it all came about. At the end of it, um, once we'd agreed terms, and that wasn't difficult, you know, you go into a club like Celtic, it wasn't about money, it was really about um, the opportunity. But at the end of it, I sat down with Jock, and I said, Jock, I said, um, so as my agent, my agent helped sort all this out. And he said, um, who's your agent? And I told him who it was. He went, no, no, no. He actually, he suggested Brian Gunn. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if I, if I oh, hadn't right. actually made the phone call to my dad, it may never have happened. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. And was that the point that your agent became your ex-agent? Yeah, that's why I'm not actually benefiting him with his name. <laughs> oh, ah, terrific. Now, I've got a question here on Facebook uh, yeah. from James Hope. Thanks for your question, James. And he says, what was it like for Jonathan playing in a cup final in your first few months at the club? Yeah, that was, um, it was a strange one as well, because, you know, there was a cup final at uh, Ibrox, because <laughs> the, the stadiums uh, weren't ready at the time. Um it, it was a. It, I think that that particular one was massive for us as a squad, um, and and as an individual, that's when it dawned on how important it was to win trophies at Celtic Football Club. Um, we'd also gone the whole tournament without conceding a goal, which I think had, had only happened twice previously. Um, so that that helped it, and I think it's part of the bedding in for for me as an individual, and 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 you know probably showing that I was capable of going for the rest of the season. So talk us through the, the early part. I seem to remember you arriving on the day of a game. Would that, yeah, is my memory yeah, right it was, it, that? Was, um, it was the Hibs game. Prior to the Hibs game, we played, um, and that was uh, the first um, league game. Um, so I was sat in the dugout, obviously, watching uh, Hen- Henrik's um, <laughs> rather strange start to, uh, <laughs> to, to his career. Who would have known? And... Um, <laughs> And and then I think two or three days later, I played against uh, Roma in a friendly. We played them at uh, Celtic Park. Uh, we beat them 1-0. And I, I didn't miss a game from that day forward. When did you realise Henrik Larsson was going to be the King of Kings? 
as you said, he mentioned there in his first game, he sold the jerseys, didn't he? he set up a Chick Charlotte goal. <laughs> I wouldn't put it that nastily, to be honest. <laughs> he did, however. He did, however. He did rather recover from it, to be fair. Yeah, probably in the same game which I, where I felt I had my first impact was the St Johnston game. Because I'd made a save um, from George O'Boyle. Um, and then we, li- we, we virtually went down the other end and he scored a diving header. And all these dreadlocks were flying all over the place. And. Um, <laughs> You knew then, you know, diving headers. You, you know, you know, you've got a centre forward in your club. Um, they're they're a rarity nowadays. The likes of Andy Gray made them famous, but Henry, um, you know, delivered on that day at, at the other end of the field. And um, he's he's always had, um, and I'm not going to call it an arrogance because it, that's sometimes uh, you know it's misconstrued that way. He had a he had an air about him that that was 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 about belief. And the other thing that he had was the most incredible work ethic um, I've seen from a centre-forward. What about the characters in that team? Let's start with the, the manager, Vimy Anson. Yeah. I always yeah. found him to be um, friendly, but yeah. maybe cold at the same time. And, you know, he would use one word where 10 would go. Um, yeah, Vim, Vim was, um, he was quite pragmatic in his approach. Um I think that I, I wouldn't say there was a language barrier, but there was sometimes um, an interpretation uh, barrier instead, you know. But I loved him to bits straight away. He, he was one of these guys that, um, um, and, I, and I, I remember, I, I sort of, it connects with me more now, um, having become a coach, that he would put things on in training that, that at the time you didn't realise how important they were. You know, it was about big spaces, little spaces. Uh, you know, there was one of one of his uh, methods used to be an, on on Parkhead. If we train there, he played the first eleven against seven reserves, and the seven reserves would obviously get hammered. They'd be running around really quite aggressively and frustrated. But you knew it was because Vim was setting us up to play with plenty of space. There'd be other times where on the training field where we may have gone to uh, Dunfermline away, and he tightened the area up. There'd be other times where he'd referee the game absolutely atrociously <laughs> to deliberately wind us up. He was everything was um, was was preparation, and it, it was sometimes it was physical, sometimes it was the dynamic of the training field, and sometimes it was psychological. What about the big personalities in the team? Um, I'm thinking back then, if I went into a training session or went into the club, the yeah. first voice you would usually hear would be Craig Burley's. <laughs> yeah. and there were yeah. a few others who were also lacking shyness as well. Uh, I, do you know what? I don't think there was one in there that that, that was shy. Harold Brackpack was probably the the shyest, but he was he was also the nicest guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably does go hand in hand. Um, yeah, I, you, you know, it was like Darren Jackson. I didn't know much of Darren, and you know, Darren was um, he was pretty quick. Uh, Craig always was. I think um, you know Tommy Johnson, and then you had. Um, probably the pop band in Jackie McNamara and uh, Simon Donnelly. <laughs> yeah. You know, they were. It was. It was a. It was quite a, a unique uh, blend of characters, and and I, and I think it's something that's slightly lost in the game today. I, uh, no, none of us were afraid to say exactly how we felt about situations, uh, whether it was in the changing room or it was on the tra- on the training field or even in a game. Um, the, the one I do remember is Big Mark Reaper because he was he was quite curt with his words and I think we were I, I can't remember which game it was but um, he turned around to me at one point and he says Gordy 
they've had one shot and scored two effing goals. You know? <laughs> 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 um, so it's probably, the other one was probably an own goal. I'm not sure. I can't remember rightly. But um, yeah, that was the that was the kind of stuff that went on. And you and you also had Big Alan Stubbs. And Scousers are well renowned for for being um, you know money at the best of times. And mm-hmm. yeah, the, it, it, you didn't get away with anything in the dressing room at all. There was always a lot of laughter around that dressing room. What what was the biggest uh, the biggest laugh you think you all had, or the or the maddest thing that happened back then? The maddest thing that we did as a group, absolutely, was going out the week before the last game against St Johnston. Oh really? Uh, yeah, yeah. We when we got beat by Dunfermline, no, no, drawn with Dunfermline. You know, we were all hoping for a party on that Sunday. That Craig Falkenbridge. Sunday. Yeah, that was the here. player, wasn't it? The equaliser. Yeah, it was off his ear. It was a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so you sat. We were sat on the coach um, on the way back. You know, all feeling sorry for ourselves because we wanted a party, and the only way we could obviously see ourselves getting out of it was to go out on the Tuesday night. We and and it was uh, the lads were in you know a fair amount of um, uh, poor condition. I, I you know probably. <laughs> um, say so myself as well <laughs> we went to the amber region david i don't know if you remember that uh, oh it's still there used to go to uh, sat on a big round table um and we pulled it back together again because if i, I think um the frustration had to be borne out somehow and um that was how we did it it seemed to work though because on the final day of the season in 97 98 rangers could have won the league up at tanadice mm-hmm. uh, and you had to get you had to uh, win uh, against St Johnston um, I was at Tanadice working on the game for STV that day listening yeah. to the radio commentary in one ear and it yeah. sounded very very nervous yeah that's um, I, 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 and I've said this before I still watch that game now on, on DVD and I'm nervous watching it in case I can <laughs> see the goal <laughs> uh, there were a couple of like you know we got off to a great start the, I mean Henrik's goal was fabulous when you look at it uh, yeah. I think it was a couple of minutes in yeah um, and then we had a couple of dodgy moments. Um, uh, Boyley nearly scored. Georgia Boyle nearly scored. I think Lee Jenkinson nearly got one. And then, you know, the goal that came with, what, 10, 15 minutes to go, that just settled the whole stadium. And and it was a relief one. You know, like, like I think, um, you know, you look, you think to, to Sundays with Celtic, it was euphoric because of the circumstances of, of the game. But I think um, that one in 97, 98 was, was relief. For sixty thousand people in the stadium, the fifteen or sixteen in the squad, and good godness knows how many are around the world that were Celtic supporters at the time. And Harold Bratback had his moment in Celtic history. Did he seem slightly bewildered by it all? I always get that. <laughs> I remember him telling me that he, uh, when he played at the Norwegian uh, Pro League at that time, was part time. Yeah. And I said, "Oh, what, what did you do?" And he was standing there wearing a Gantt jacket um, and a pair of spectacles that were as thick as lemonade bottles. And he said, I was, uh, he said, oh, I'm an accountant. Yeah. And I thought, how's this guy going to settle in here? Yeah. So he did seem slightly bewildered uh, for much of his time there. And indeed, that particular day. Yeah, but, you know, there were, I think I look, look back at some of, the, some of the games that we played that year. And um, I think every now and then he'd pop up with an important goal. Um, there was one game he scored four. He probably could have scored double the amount that he did. Um, there were times in training when... Harold didn't even score in training for a whole week. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you did wonder. But, the, but what got Harold by was, was as you said, he was, he is, was a, one of the most genuine people you'll meet. And, and um, 
you know, the fact that he's gone on to achieve so much as um, an airline pilot uh, yeah. probably tells you he was more intelligent than most of us in the dressing room. <laughs> it does, does rather. <laughs> Having said that, given the thickness of those glasses, if you walked on a Boeing 767... <laughs> I always thought you had used to have twenty twenty vision to fly an airplane, <laughs> but maybe it's not the case in Norway. Maybe maybe he's had them lasered. You never know. You never know. And listen, right after that game, when did you find out that uh, that the guy who'd broken Rangers' stranglehold in the titles was off Vim? Well, there, there were rumours going around. I think for a few weeks prior, um, but the 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 confirmation came. We were out. We were taken away straight away to um, Portugal. And I think we played against Sporting Lisbon or Benfica. I can't remember which team it was. It was one of those teams. And we were t- and you don't really, after you've won a title like that, um, you, you really want to go and celebrate and, and um, enjoy it. And now, don't get me wrong, we did. Okay? <laughs> um, really? And, <laughs> and, and when we got to Portugal, we, we knew we had a game to play, but it was, it was secondary on our minds. But then uh, the, the Thunderbolt came that... Um, Vim what was going to leave. Um, you know, the circumstances um, in and around it um, weren't very clear. I remember us, I think, pretty sure we wrote a rather harsh email to the people that uh, mattered at Parkhead about how we felt about it. Uh, we got together as a group and sent that and, and said, look, we're not happy about this situation. Vim's done a fantastic job. You're, you, you know, you're basically... Um, you're basically stopping any momentum that we may have gained, having having been under so much pressure for nine years. And I, I and I remember us being in a lift, and um, there was about four or five of us. Jackie McNamara, I know Tommy Boyd clearly was one of those, and we were discussing. We weren't happy, but there was there was almost um, you know, and, and I know every one of us spoke to him about it. But there was it was almost as if it had already been done, David. And mm. and I can remember us. You know, we were in the hotel. There was about five or six big round tables, and um, I remember Vim standing up, and he was in tears, and he said, "Look, just just one more time, can we um, stand up for the champions?" and And it was a poignant moment, but I think at that point we knew it, it was irreversible. I think Vim had probably made his mind up um, well before um, even that final game. I can't imagine Vim Janssen being in tears. No, he was really emotional about it because we all were. Uh, we'd had a special year. Um, in uh, under a, a, a huge amount of um, duress, and I, I think that was probably um, the fact that Vim was 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 new into to the idea of you know stopping ten probably helped him a little bit um, because he he didn't get too involved in the circus that goes in and around you know old firm rivalry. He was able to step back and make decisions that were um, in the end um, played out to, to to provide us with a championship. After that season, uh, Vim, Vim goes and you get a new manager. What was that like? I wanted, when, even when the, they made the appointment, we were still sat in the dressing room and I was still waiting for Vim to walk back through as if it had been a nightmare. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, to be honest, uh, Joseph Van Gloss came in and he's one of the nicest guys you'll meet in football. Um, he had a lovely way about him. Yeah. He was just—he was walking into, into a wounded dressing room, um, and that made it very, very difficult for him. Mm-hmm. But, but um, the way he, um, you know, the respect that he had um, from us as a as a playing group—it's just a shame it didn't it didn't transform into sort of winning something for him in that year. 
got a question on Twitter about Dr. Joe from Lost Boys. And he says, what was Dr. Joe like to work with? He almost seemed to me, says uh, Lost Boys here, like a lost pensioner. No, he, he, do you know what? Um, he would probably be more suited to uh, this generation um, because of because of how he managed and how he coached. Yeah. So, I, and I think you know he he was probably tarred by um, his time at Aston Villa as well um, before he came up. But um, you know, if you think um, if he gave this football club one thing, it was Lubo Mravchik. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what that's what Doctor Joe should re- should be remembered for. When did you spot that he was a player? Uh, within the first minute of training. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, he's a wizard. He was a wizard. He still is. I think I played played a few years back with him at um, at Celtic Park in um, in a, one of the charity games that we that the club put on, and he was uh, he was amazing. Still, you know the way he can check back off both feet. Um, you know he'd probably be in Liverpool or Man City or you know their their teams right now if if he was still playing. I always wondered where the hell had he been all my life. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a funny one actually, and and it was when uh, Bar- John Barnes came into the into the dressing room as as manager, and I I can remember him turning round to um, um, uh, Lubo at, at one point and saying, "You know what? If, if you'd have played like that all your career, you would you would have made lots of appearances at international level." Um, at which point Lubo pointed out he'd already played seventy six times for his country, so, <laughs> <laughs> and at the World Cup. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I'd never heard of Lubo Moravchik until he came to the football club. And, and the, that, that's the crazy thing. Um, you know, probably at that point, the football wasn't on the telly to the point it is now. Um, you know, but you think, I think Zidane's one quote, he's always asked, you know, who's the best player he's ever played with? And he said Lubo Moravchik. So you couldn't have a, mm. um, you know, a, a better... Um, mental than that really could you? listen a guy who came in that year that I thought was something else um, on and off the pitch was Mark Viduka yeah what a player but also I mean it was a it was a hell of a transfer um, what, are your, what are your memories of of, uh, of Big Dukes and his arrival well you can actually credit the players for that and in particular Big big Alan Stubbs because um, Jock, I remember Jock Brown coming into the group at some. We we must have been away somewhere, and he said he said to the lads, "Who's the best centre forward you played against?" And Stubbsy turned around. He said, "Well, we played against him the other week out in Zagreb." He said he was unplayable. He said physically, mm-hmm. he was strong, he was technically good, and he wasn't short of pace. Um, the next thing you know, we we've signed Mark Viduka. Um, so you know that's 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 how it happened. I didn't and know that. Sorry, I didn't know that. So yeah, that's true. Stubbsy. True story that. Yeah. So um, Alan Stubbs was probably and Alan Alan did pretty well against him in the first tie. Not so, we did we didn't do quite so well in the second tie when uh, we got beat three 0 out there. But and then and then the the strange thing was with Big Vadukes was and he didn't really endear himself to the dressing room immediately. Mm-hmm. Was that he hadn't even he hadn't even played a game for us and he said no this is just a stepping stone to Europe. <laughs> And then decided to take a month off because um, he had um, some 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 mental issues, you know, and, and we respected that. And then he came in and we went, okay, you you we've got a proper player here. Mm-hmm. He was a, he was a foil for Henry, you know. And I think I'm not sure whether it was his second season, David, but I think he even before by Christmas he got thirty odd goals. I, I, I might be wrong, but I know mm-hmm. he. he 
it's a face as a goalkeeper. He had one of the hardest shots um, I've ever witnessed. And was that tough every day? Did you get smashed with those every day? I used to get out of the way of it most of the time. <laughs> Very wise. To be <laughs> Very wise. That's why you still look the same now as you did back yeah. then, old son. <laughs> now, listen, after uh, Dr. Joe, uh, you mentioned him there a minute ago, John Barnes came in. I've got yeah. to say, John Barnes, I was so excited when he got the job because he was one of my favourite players. Yeah. And um, goodness me, it went downhill quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the same as you. I mean, I, I made my Premier League debut against John Barnes, which was a huge thrill when he was at Liverpool. And, Did you um, back? Yeah, and he was, he was one of those players that, um, as a fellow professional, you, you saw him get on the ball and he did. He, he'd light up your face and light up the TV and light up the team that he was playing for. Um, I, 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 you know, and I don't want to be too critical, um, but I think he was given a job that at that time... Um, was way in advance of where where his learning was. He wasn't mm. at that point capable of managing a club with the demands um, and expectations of Celtic Football Club. And I, and I know there was a there was a team put behind him to support that. Um, you know, obviously we had Terry McDermott and we had Kenny in there, and Kenny eventually took over. But I just think you know, and it's a shame. I think it was too early for John. What happened the night of Super Cali Go Ballistic, which is when it ended for John uh, back in February 2000? Yeah, I'll tell you what happened, and you might remember this. <laughs> on, the, on the Saturday before, a speaker started wobbling because the winds were too high and the game was called off on the Saturday. And history could be completely different if that hadn't have happened. Yeah, I know, I know. Because <laughs> then we, went to, we then went to the midweek fixture. And, you know, obviously, as a goalkeeper, you're always last in, David, right? Because you, you go into the back of your net and you pick your, your glove bag, your, your water bottle, and you get into the dressing room. Before I'd got in the dressing room, well, as I got in the dressing room, the whole thing had already kicked off. Uh, Vic Bigford Dukes was in the corner. He had his, he had his boots off, his shorts off. Uh, people were effing and blinding. Eric Black was having a go. Um, John wasn't saying a lot at the time. And I walked in, I'm going, what's going on? You know, he says, oh, he's refusing to play. Eric's told him he needs to pull his finger out his arse or to, words to that effect. <laughs> and, and, um, and then the whole thing kind of spiralled um, into a, a bit of a debacle was probably the best way I could put it. You know, things got said at half-time that, that probably should have been put to the, to the, on the back burner until after the game. We should have just really got on with it. Um, and gone out and turned the result around. But um, I think that was, you know, when I look back now again, you look back in management, um, how, how the, the whole thing was handled at half-time uh, could have been done differently. Was it unfair that John Barnes get the sack or, or was it unavoidable? No, I, no given... I genuinely think, sorry, I genuinely think that was the right thing at that time. And, yeah. that, and, and again, history shows that. What did Martin O'Neill do at Celtic to completely transform the club? His first, his first management, his first meeting with the players was um, was was huge because he laid down a couple of markers. Um, it was pretty clear who the boss was. I think um, he then um, he then bought some. He was given obviously a, a reasonable amount of money, but he bought strong strong people into that dressing room um, that I think we had previously lacked or we'd lost. Um, he bought that. He bought those kind back in. He bought winners back in. You know, Chris Sutton, uh, Neil Lennon um, eventually came in as well at some point. Um, 
And I think um, and, you know, John Hartson later, he, you know, they, they were. If you think back to the transfer fees that were uh, paid now, and they were paid, you know, eighteen years ago, um, these we these were players at the the top of the game. Mm-hmm. They really were. Was Chris Sutton a transformational signing? He seemed to give something extra to Henrik Larsson and, and John Hartson seemed to add some more as well. But for me, Sutty, um, I was in the tunnel in those days. He yeah. terrorised everybody, particularly me, but opposition players as well. Would, would that be a fair <laughs> interpretation? <laughs> well, I think he scared all of us. He still does. He still does. He says the wrong thing. But, uh, <laughs> no, um, it, we had to, having lost Big for Dukes, we had to have um, a foil up front. You, you've always got, whatever team, you know, you talked about Edward earlier, you've got to have a platform to play off. Um, Sutty was that. He was a he was um, a mountain of a man. He could hold. He knew. You know the word pin and and Chris Sutton is synonymous. He knew how to pin a fullback, uh, a centre back. And once once you've got a player that can do that, it enables others to run off him. You know. And and then he had he had Stylian Petrov behind him. He had Paul Lambert who was doing all the marshalling. You know we had good wide players. It was Jackie McNamara, Didier Gat, Alan Thompson was quality. Lubo was still there. But if you've got if you've got that focal point, um, and Chris was that, it allows so many other um, parts of the game to come to come to fruition. He's a pain in the arse on TV, is our yeah. Sutty. But he was exactly the same in the dressing room, is it not? <laughs> yeah, he, he he would he was he <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he cluster bomb the place, you know? <laughs> the bomb it, sit back and let everybody else have a pop. Um, <laughs> But um, at the same time, I remember walking in, and there's there's a book that was written about um, Henry VIII, and it was it was written in the first person, if, if as if it was Henry VIII, and I I'd read it probably ten years ago before this, and and because I was doing English history at school, and and I remember walking into the dressing room, and he was sat in the corner re- reading this book about Henry VIII, and I'm thinking, this is a professional footballer that's just come from Chelsea, and he's just coming to our dressing room, so. I think even going back then, he was um, he was mischievous, but he was very intelligent at the same time. And that's what makes him box office today, doesn't it? Without a doubt. Now listen, take me to Chris Sutton's old firm game debut, which was the 27th yeah. of August 2000, a day yeah. that I think turned Celtic into the club that they are now. Yeah. How, how did Martin get you up for that? I don't think he had to. I don't think uh-huh. he had to. But but I think because at that point we had we had won nearly every game anyway leading into that I think bar one the the the, the confidence was already there but it was just what his belief in us as a group was was already pretty obvious um, and again I say because of the characters that he brought in I mean I remember one game he came in just just to change it slightly and this to just to show you what what he was like Martin he came in and he he literally walked in the dressing room before we played Hibs. And he went, I'm not sure if you guys are up for it today. And walked back out. And we're all sort of sat there going, so that's our team talk. <laughs> and, we, and I think we, we won 5-0. Right? <laughs> so they were the kinds of things that Martin did. They're sort of synonymous with Cluffy, really. And, and whether he'd learned that off Brian, I'm not sure. But I think that day in particular, I mean, we had a great start, let's be honest, you know, to be 3-0 up in no time at all. And and I think the, the supporters... The, the ground rocked as, as as well as any time I can remember mm-hmm. being there as a player myself mm-hmm. on that day. Um, I'll listen to a question here. Sideshow Bob um, says to you, what was your reaction when Rab Douglas uh, came in 
um, yeah. at Celtic. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Um, <laughs> yeah. His name's actually Sideshow Bob, which seems quite a, quite fitting in this context. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, I, I always knew that Martin was going to strengthen the goalkeeping department, all right? Cause, because we had Dimitri, I think, was still at the club then, and Dimitri was having issues with his knees um, and, um, and hadn't quite sort of taken the mantle off me at that point. Uh, Stuart was still there, Curzo. Um, but I managed to sort of fight fight that little battle during the pre-season. Mm-hmm. And um, so I knew there was, uh, behind me, I knew there was there was always a strain of thought that, that he was going to strengthen uh, the goalkeeping department. I, at the time, I, so so I was always going into every game under a, a added pressure alongside the fact that you were playing for Celtic anyway. I, I remember, I think there was a game in Helsinki where I didn't cover myself in glory, um, but we still managed to get through the tie. And then we played against uh, Bordeaux and I, I didn't put myself down to any of the goals, but I think that was where Martin thought I wasn't probably that level that he, that he needed. So, um, so when, so when Rab came in, um, it was only going to be a matter of time. I, don't get me wrong. I fought for that position and, and we were still unbeaten in the league when I was left out. So that was quite hard to take. But mm-hmm. the, again, you come back to how Martin O'Neill manages and um, he uh, he got me in his his office. He said um, he said, look, he says I'm playing Rab this weekend. He said, uh, and you'll be disappointed. I said, yeah, I'm really disappointed because we're unbeaten in the league and we're on a run. He said, yeah, I know that. He said, but what I'll do, he said, um, I'm going to offer you a three and a half year contract. Mm-hmm. He said, um, I, I I understand your value to this this group. It's just that sometimes your goalkeeping gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> Uh, oh, cheers! Yeah. So I sort of sat there and I and I thought I think I'll you know I was I'd been at the club um, for three years and I loved the place and I said well I'll accept your your very kind offer. <laughs> Thanks very <laughs> much. Yeah. Oh, and, and I and he you know he paid me back to be fair towards the end of the season when um, you know made sure that I was on the bench as well for the for the for the. Um, the cup final that ensured that um, you know, I had actually had the treble medals and brilliant. So in answer to Bob, I, I was gutted, um, but I'd already learned in the, in that three years that it was more than just about being a, a playing member of the team. It was about being part of a big club and a squad that you wanted to be successful. Talking about being part of squads, I'd completely forgotten that you were part of the World Cup '98 squad. The first of all, how the hell did you get a game for Scotland? My grandma's from uh, Blantyre. Ah. Yeah, I've still got family in Blantyre, so it was my, on my father's side. Is that the rough side of the family? Um, yes, it is, actually. <laughs> Sorry, Blantyre, we're only kidding. Yeah, the, other side, yeah, the other side was quite well-educated. Oh, <laughs> Talking to your family, Chippy has come in on Twitter yeah. and said, uh, Jonathan, is your dad still as mad as he comes across? I never thought he came out mad. As, his Wimbledon team came across has been a bit mad. Yeah, I think that's probably what he gets remembered for. Um, he, he he's always been a what you call a football maverick, and but again, he's he's always worn his heart on his sleeve, and he, and hopefully that's what he'll always be remembered for. Um, you know that that FA Cup win in nineteen eighty eight against Liverpool was um, is a tremendous part of football history and also our family. So yeah, he's. he's um, He's retired now. He, I don't think he's mellowed yet. I still think he Good. believes he could manage um, 
Real Madrid if he was given the opportunity. But that isn't that the beauty of um, old football managers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, without a doubt. A um, couple more questions before we go. Yeah. Tell us about uh, being in the Scotland squad, France 98. You had uh, Sully, Neil Sullivan above you and, yeah. and Jim Layton as well. I mean, were you just smoking cigars? Were you topping up your tan? Was that a, was that a, a relaxing <coughs> experience? No, no um, it was a late call-up because obviously we'd won the league and I was over in Jersey mm. and I spent three days um, absolutely obliterated uh, <laughs> with the Celtic Supporters Club in, in Jersey. And I got back <laughs> and I had a phone call saying, oh, you, you've... Um, Andy's, Andy had gone AWOL, uh, gone for some milk again, and uh, would you be keen on going to the World Cup? So I literally got on a, on a plane, went out to Washington, met the lads, and, and ended up, you know, that's the pinnacle of any footballer's career is to be able to go to a World Cup. Um, I didn't think I was ever going to play, um, but, but I, had, I, I felt that I was a bit unlucky to have been left out in the first place because of the mm-hmm. form I had during that season. Mm-hmm. Um, have you still got the kilt? You know, it was, um, it was a tremendous place to be. It was a fantastic. You know, that first game against Brazil um, to open the World Cup. And, you know, and there were a lot of my Celtic teammates there as well. So um, it, it, was, um, it was a good three weeks. Do you still have the kilt? I do. And it's, it literally is 12 feet above me. And I, I'm vowing to be able to fit into it again one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, good luck with that at 51, old son. One yeah. last question here from the audience. Uh, yeah. Neil Henderson has asked me to ask you, how often do people compare you to Grant Mitchell? Yeah, too often. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit taller than, um, than uh, Mr. Grant Mitchell, or Ross as his name is, but... Um, yeah, I was even even when I was playing. Um, I think I got aligned with looking like him. I thought I had plenty of hair, but um, it, was, it was better than Les Battersby, as I used to get called on the other occasion. <laughs> yeah, Warren Mitchell would be <laughs> would be quite as good. Good man, killed it. And I'm sorry, Grado couldn't make it. I bet you're gutted about that. Next time. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> we'll get me phone you up with one of these foul mouth WhatsApp messages that I get every couple of days. <laughs> That'll do. Cheers, Gildy. Thank you very much. Gorgeous girl, it's time for our Beer 52 match of the week. Last week we asked for a prediction for the League Cup final and surprisingly out of the hundreds of entrants, only Paul Julen got it right. Now, how is that? I told everyone it was going to be a one-goal advantage for the winner. Did I I not say that? It's always been like that in League Cup finals and Scottish Cup finals between the old firm. So, anyway, well done to Paul getting it right. This week, our Beer 52 match of the week is Murderwell against Rangers on Sunday. It's Raymond Mearns against Grado, <laughs> Motherwell Rangers, on Sunday. So all you have to do to win is guess the correct score before 12 o'clock on Sunday. Everyone who gets the score right will go into the draw to win the beer. Now, you can enter by commenting on the link on the Football Daft Facebook page or tweet your score to at Football Pod with the hashtag free beer. That's hashtag free beer. Winners must be over 18 and stay in the UK. And you can get your free beer from Beer52 as well. Um, are you worried about a wee reaction from Rangers after the UEFA Cup? Are you worried about a wee reaction from Rangers dropping two points at Petaudry, uh, all the energy that they lost on Sunday, and of course Thursday night's Europa League game? Ooh, could be a wee, uh, a wee banana nah. skin. I've got a feeling Stevie G's going to spice it up this week. I want Greg Stewart to start. Um, maybe right. see the full play for the start. Yeah. Um, and I think Rangers will win this game. I think I'm, I'm going to go for 
three two. I'm going to go for one each because Motherwell are third top of the table and they're doing well at the moment. Three wins in a row, albeit against likes of uh, St Johnson, St Mirren, and Hearts, and they've been struggling. But, but they'll be up for it. I'm slightly worried. They will be up for it. I'm slightly worried that Motherwell might drop two points. You're worried? Were you exposing yourself here, David? I'll just do my zip up. Now all you need to do is go to beer52.com/daft and we can sort out free beers. If you cover just four ninety five for the postage. Now, you normally get eight, but as you're a football daft listener, we'll give you two extra free beers, and that's a total of ten free beers. Your first box will be sent to you next day delivery, and it's a monthly subscription service or beer. And Beer 52, they don't hodge you to ransom. You can leave at any time, but these beers are tremendous. There's a big uh, box of beers out there waiting for me, so I'm going to take that home tonight once I've done panel. I'm going to sit, relax... Uh, uh, Waiting right. for the team. What do you mean? Waiting for the team. The beers are waiting for the team, surely. Couple for John, couple for me. Oh, there's plenty out there. There's plenty out there. Oh, brilliant. Right, don't worry about that. So just go to b52.com slash daft and get your first case of 10 beers for free. Scrumptious. Oh, I tell you what, that puts me right in the mood for a baby. So should we call it a day here? Aye, let's call it a day. I need to boost anyway, mate. Ah, uh, let's read some reviews. But how many have we got? Well, here's one for Stuarty Boy ninety four. He says, "What else can you want in a Scottish football podcast? Great stories, great banter, and even better guests." Lovely Stuarty Boy. Thanks, Stuarty Boy. Right, this review comes from not David Tanner. Oh. This is about if that even is your real name, your reviewer. Great podcast. Now that David Tanner is doing it in brackets, while Shun Cameron is taking a break from it. Can you sack Grado and producer John now? That should lead to even more improvement. Indeed, perfection. That sounds like somebody that has the same fucking vocabulary as somebody sitting across the road from me. David is the dog's testes. I I know a certain guy called David that loves to mention genitalia. Uh, Kind regards, Anonymous. Well, thank you, Anonymous. Uh, I've got got two words for, for that. It's yourself. <laughs> I refute that allegation, uh, but if I were to swear on the Bible, it might have been me. But I just. <laughs> you put on fake reviews. No. David Turner. Why no, you like? You can't eat anywhere. It wasn't. It wasn't me. Uh, it wasn't me. Anyway, you, David. Use of punctuation, though, eh? You know what? Go for it, mate. Go for it. Get yourself <laughs> to run. But what, a, what an awesome episode. I'm just a wee bit um, gutted that I had to leave for the, the Gilday interview. Um, so I'm off now. I need to boost. And we'll see you next week. Two pantos in one day. Yep. And you've managed to squeeze bits of the podcast either side of it. I'm impressed yeah, with your workload, old son. Remember to contact us and let us know your donkey. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again to Jonathan Gould. Thanks to Raymond Mearns. Yep. Thanks to you. Thanks to producer John for producer joining us. Thanks to you for turning up. <laughs> and being a star as always. Oh, Dave, you melt my heart. David, you've been football. Grado, you've been daft. It's your show. Remember that? Oh, my days. Oh, my days. This is Four Network. There's a mammoth in menswear. The penguins are purchasing presents. And there's a polar bear 
in the underwear? This Christmas into Brayhead has been overrun by AR creatures with the festive Arctic Trail. Simply download our AR app and hunt around the centre for our AR animals, winter creatures and Christmas surprises. Find them all and you'll get two for one ice skating. The festive Arctic Trail at Into Brayhead till Christmas Eve. It's AR fun for all the family.